0: Please support Unfound during this holiday season at Patreon, PayPal, or YouTube. Jamie Gregory Lee was a 19-year-old from Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada. He had older brothers who were twins, and Jamie pretty much kept out of trouble. In the early morning hours of September 4th, 2011, Jamie was camping with friends in Smoky Flats... When an argument resulted in Jamie hitting his head, then storming off in anger, he was never seen again. I'm at Denzel, and this is unfound. Over seven years and 300 disappearances into Unfound's existence, we all, myself included, continue to struggle with the reason that searches fail. Jason Landry, Mara Murray, David Schrader, where did they and many, many, many people like them go? Moreover, why do searches occur? No one is found. Then years later, someone not even looking for the missing person finds him in that previous search area, like what happened with Noah Davis. Or with Beau Mann. Seemingly his dead body in plain view lay in that courtyard for 18 months without anyone saying anything. And this is despite the tremendous work Bo's family and friends put into scouring the area for him. And how is it that Daniel Villarreal would just happen to find the most unused shed in Phoenix, Arizona, in which to hide, then die, to then be found by accident years later? The circumstances of all of these leave us speechless. Well, with Jamie Lee, we are once again challenged to figure out why a person wasn't found within a vast search area. What are the odds? And now a summary of the case. This disappearance is not on the Charlie Project due to it happening in Canada. Jamie Lee, to be honest, is probably one of the most on the straight and narrow people we have ever featured on Unfound. He enjoyed camping and sports. Interestingly, his two older brothers were fraternal, not identical, twins. Jamie went to welding school and planned to make that a career. He had no friends who were trouble, no high-drama girlfriends, and Jamie's mother saw him every day because she would drive him to work even though he lived four blocks away. The only thing, although it was a big one, being a dark point in his life in 2011, was that Jamie's father was in bad health, but the very day Jamie went on the camping trip... Jamie found out that his father found a kidney donor. Appropriately and miraculously, Jamie's mother. How about that? So, on that day, September 3rd, 2011, in what was a last-minute decision, Jamie went with friends to Smoky Flats to camp for a few days. All of them had been there many times. That weekend, the area had hundreds of young people there. In the early morning of September 4th, after one too many drinks, Jamie decided he wanted to go home and got into a Jeep with the keys. To stop Jamie from drinking and driving, friends pulled him from the vehicle. In the process, Jamie hit his head on the driver's door steel frame. He let out a yelp but seemed okay. To cool off his anger, Jamie walked off into the darkness. He was never seen again. A large search effort over 30 days soon occurred, with people only finding Jamie's medical ID card and cigarettes that were his brand. A shoe print in a local quarry also caught everyone's attention. I'm sure, given the circumstances, the age, and the country, Jamie's disappearance will remind many of you of Madison Scott's whose remains were found about six months ago in a place nowhere near where she was camping. Contemplate how this may affect your perception of Jamie's case as you also try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, was the shoe print in the quarry left by Jamie? Number two, What do you make of strange happenings around Jamie's parents' house in the months and years after his disappearance? And number three, are you inclined to believe a trucker's story even though this driver has never been identified? Jamie's family cannot help but believe that he lived for quite a while after the disappearance date and could be alive today. The guest for this episode is Jamie's mother, Julie DeWinter. Unfound news. I will be traveling to Colorado next Tuesday, December 12th. I will be there to work on an upcoming series concerning the murder of Janelle Matthews. I will then fly to Pittsburgh on the 14th, where I will be for a couple weeks. I will come back to Florida sometime between Christmas and and New Year's. So what I'm saying is, at this point, I'm not sure what Unfound will be doing for an episode for December 15th. Next, if you haven't heard yet what happened less than 48 hours after the Pauline Diaz episode came out last Friday, please go to theunfoundpodcast.com to watch the video to see what someone did to a sign On Juanita's truck. Finally, I'm recommending two podcasts this Christmas season. First, the Consult Podcast, which is doing a series on the disappearance of Jody Husentrout. And also, Deep Dive, co-hosted by friend of Unfound, Jeff Wise. Jeff is going over, step by step, very slowly, the disappearance of Flight 370. I may even be appearing on the podcast sometime in 2024. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the mother of Jamie Lee, Julie DeWinter. Julie, welcome to Unfound.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Coming to us from Canada, and the listeners know that we've covered actually quite a few disappearances uh, in Canada, of course, I'm an American. I live in Clearwater Beach, Florida. 95% of the disappearances that we featured on and founder are from the United States. But we do get up to the great white north uh, once in a while. So I'm happy to uh, be talking to you tonight on what is it the date? My father's birthday, December 1st, 2023. So Julie, uh, glad to have you on this episode. Uh, let's just start as we usually do when we have mothers of um, missing people. Just talk in general about your family. Of course, Jamie is your son. Do you have any other kids? How would you describe you know, the overall DeWinter uh, family?
1: Well, it's actually the Lee family. I'm the only DeWinter oh. in the bunch.
2: <laughs> okay. All right.
0: Go ahead. But, yeah, um,
1: please. I've got three sons. I have twin boys that are 34 years old. And Jamie was their baby brother. He was about three years younger. Uh-huh. Um, we were a really close family. Um, uh-huh. When Jamie moved out of home, he moved four blocks away from us. So he still came home for supper just about every night. Uh-huh. Um, until the last few weeks, I drove him to work every morning. And I picked him up from work every day. And um, like uh-huh. he spent just about every evening here. He'd Come up for supper and watch TV and then go on down home to get ready for work for the next day. Mm-hmm. Weekends, not so much. He was a young man, but during the week, we saw him every night.
0: Mm-hmm. You had twins, uh, twins running your family or their father's family, or is that like a big, big surprise? What would tell us a little bit more oh, about that. It was that. a
1: surprise, all right.
0: Was it? Um,
1: there is twins in our family, but. It was explained to me with fraternal twins. It has more to do with your age than genetics. Okay. So the older you get, the more your body thinks, oh, we'd better get on this right now.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. So I so mean- the fraternal twins, they're not identical twins. They're fraternal twins. No, they're, they're fraternal twins. Fraternal twins. Interesting. Okay. And then but you had Jamie a few years boys. later. And yes. so when you get pregnant with Jamie, were you once again thinking, am I going to have twins again? Did that go Terrified. through your Terrified.
1: <laughs> terrified uh we didn't tell anybody until we found out there was only one
0: mm-hmm. then we
1: let everybody know that i was pregnant again
0: okay very good and how did uh jamie get along with his two older brothers who were fraternal twins very close pretty very close. very close um mm-hmm.
1: with twins they tend to especially twin boys they tend to fight and argue a lot oh. and jamie was always the middle man um uh-huh. i think they knew that they could never hurt jamie so it was usually they fought between themselves and it was always jamie had to pick a side but um they were very protective of their younger brother
0: okay interesting okay would you say that all three of them have similar personalities would you say jamie's personality was different from theirs or or what all outgoing all, all kind of introverted you know what's the range
1: all outgoing um great senses of humor mm-hmm. um I'm very happy to say I raised three incredible young men um yeah. they knew their manners they knew how to treat people mm-hmm. I was very proud of my sons excellent very I guess I'm still very proud of my sons
0: okay yes of course okay very good so three sons two of the twins fraternal twins I think most people just think identical twins of course fraternal twins means they're born at the same time but they don't look like there they look one is six
1: foot five and blonde and one is five foot ten and dark
0: interesting and so genetics it's just uh it's a big (laughs) mystery okay let's talk now about jamie of course this is the reason unfortunately that we're talking here tonight um you know just talk about him as a kid what was he into personality was into sports or the outdoors or cars or interest personality wherever you want to go with that
1: um very much an outdoorsy person um all three of my sons were in sports
2: mm-hmm. the
1: entire time they grew up um it was my way of making sure they stayed out of trouble
2: yeah
1: <laughs> um right. they loved camping fishing um traveling they were very much outdoorsy people um one of the twins was more the computer person mm-hmm. but for the most part it was we spent their entire childhood, out somewhere at a river, fishing and camping, and that's the way they grew up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And actually where Jamie went missing from, we had had him there since he was born. So he knew the area very well.
0: So this area that we're eventually going to talk about is very familiar to him. Yes, very. Good. All right. And what uh, town or city are we talking about in Canada where everybody lived and, and Jamie grew up? What, what Where are we talking?
1: Grand Prairie, Alberta. Man, we sure. are in northern Alberta. We're the largest center in northern Alberta.
0: Okay. So uh, for everybody else that's, uh, you know, in relation to the United States, I guess maybe you're directly north of, like, Montana or Minnesota, like if you were to go directly Mont- south.
2: But- Mont-
1: closer to Montana. Well, Street Montana. Now.
0: Okay, very good. All right, so he's into that. Uh, I, I have to ask, was he into ice hockey like every other uh, boy? in?
1: Not as much hockey. Um oh. Just because up here, hockey is a very expensive select group that actually get to do it. Oh, okay. Um, But he loves skiing, snowboarding, Mm -hmm. screwing, anything that involved the outdoors. Right. I don't know if I ever saw him on a horse, but other than that, he was on everything. Okay.
0: And we have to remember, actually, ice hockey is not the official sport of Canada. Lacrosse is is the official sport uh, of Canada. Oh, maybe Julie didn't yeah that's true that's true i okay, think i, I had that, that as a trivia question once yes uh yes yeah, so i have to tell I'll
1: you I'll the listen. truth i've never seen lacrosse played here or heard of it played here but everybody's hockey like right? okay. the hockey is definitely the canadian sport
0: right okay very good what about of course his part personality very outgoing how about his education going to school uh you know what. You know, did he have uh, plans like what he was going to do once he got into his late teens, into his 20s? What was about his education?
1: He got his grade 12, um, graduated. Then he ended up getting on at a company here um, as a welder. He loved welding. Mm-hmm. And he had been with them about a year when he went missing, I just about exactly a year.
2: Huh. But
1: he just got a raise um, a week or so before that. Found out he had been accepted to the apprenticeship program. Um, found out he had enough hours to go to school right away. Had just gotten a vehicle from us. Things were going pretty good for him for the most part.
0: Yeah, welding. Um, yeah, welding's a great career. You can make good money doing that. Always going down. to need welders. A lot of uh, job security in welding for sure.
1: And it's it's something you're either good at or you're not. And mm-hmm. no, he really, he loved doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. I can remember doing welding in metal shop in like eighth grade, and I grew up to be a podcaster. So that shows you how <laughs> good of a welder I was. All right, what about uh, girlfriends? Any uh, relationships? Uh, I don't think he was a father or anything, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But did he have any girlfriends? What about uh, relationships?
1: Um, mother didn't get to hear much about that. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, he he did date several different girls but it was usually most of his um girls that he went out with were friends but he did have some girlfriends is just that was something that he did not discuss with me
0: that's <laughs> kind of when uh, when my mother was alive that's kind of I and mean, then even today with my dad it's the same thing i don't talk about that much of my life ever with they any have,
1: they have to be pretty serious before they. Introduce mom, definitely.
0: Right, right, exactly, right. Okay, so I'm um, just going to follow up now with some questions. Of course, they're uh, on the outline. All the listeners of unfound at this point know that when we do uh, uh, interviews, we follow uh, outlines that have been approved by the guests, just to make sure we iron out, iron out any mistakes. And some of these questions are specifically on there, just to make sure uh, the guests understand that they're going to be asked. Where was Jamie living at the time? I think maybe you said already that he lived maybe four blocks away from you. So was he living by himself? Was it like an apartment? What was what was the situation?
1: He lived in a house um with a bunch of boys that he had gone all through school with. He had known since he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. There was, I think, six of them living in there in the house. It was one of the boys' house and they had moved, so they were renting it to the boys. And that's who he went camping with as well.
0: Uh, okay. And, uh, so they were like all like generally splitting the rent, I guess we might say something like that. Yes. Okay. All right. It and how, lo- all and how long, and how long he'd been doing first... that? Maybe, maybe say that again, how long he had been, had he been doing that?
1: Uh, he'd lived with them about a year. As soon as he graduated, all the boys were excited about getting their first place, and they all moved out together. Um, Mm -hmm. So he probably moved in with them in July the year before. So just over
0: a year. Any concerns uh, about him at the time of his disappearance? I, I realize maybe at the time, but now looking back now, were there anything that really popped up to you? Of course, we're getting into the circumstances, and I'm not sure if, you know, no, maybe well, it was, this, this princess was it. predictable, but, you know, anything you were like, you know, I don't know if Jamie's making the right choice. Anything like that at all? Any concerns at all about Jamie? No, but um, his
1: father had been in and out of ICU in Edmonton um, three or four times that summer. Oh. He had a rare disease called Wiggeners disease that had killed both his kidneys. Um, so he was on dialysis, he was very ill. Mm -hmm. And I was trying at the time to get approved as a kidney donor for him. Mm -hmm. And just before Jamie went missing, we were in Edmonton, Um, I just got his dad out of ICU. And the day that he went camping, he had been working for the day. And when he got off, he phoned us because he was looking for a tent and i gave him the good news that i'd been accepted as a kidney donor for his dad and that things were looking up wow I do know that night that was one of the comments by them is he was very upset about his dad
0: but it was good but he he was upset but he was he had gotten good news earlier in the day
1: but that's quite often the way it works when you're really really worried about something and you finally get the good news it's almost like a pressure relief valve in a way i guess Um, just that's when the emotions
0: come out okay all right and different
1: kids out there that night said that yes he was very upset about his dad
0: okay and i have to ask uh did his dad pull through then did it did this yes i gave him
1: a kidney in 2013 and he's still with us now wow
0: oh that's fantastic What? okay all right. Well, your kidney just happened. I know how rare that is, maybe of a non-related person for a kidney. That That's really amazing.
1: Apparently, I'm a universal donor. I can donate to anyone. Wow. So yeah, you got lucky. Wow.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations with that. Okay. Can you remember the last time? Uh, maybe I should ask you this. You said that you would drive into work. Was there a reason that he didn't have a card? Did he not have money to get one? What, what was the situation there?
1: Um, well, he didn't end up getting his driver's license till fairly late, mm-hmm. but it was more a financial thing. Um, okay. just after he got his driver's license, we gave him one of our vehicles, which again, this was just before he went missing. Mm-hmm. So he had probably only had his driver's license a few weeks at most.
0: Okay. okay. Before he went missing. Okay and, and ju- please
1: to have mom pick him up every morning drop him off every night
0: yeah yeah you get to see how he's doing keep an eye on him even though you know he's not you know he's an adult by that time of course but you're keeping an eye on him you get to see talk to him and well being uh,
1: mother he always also always got a lunch
2: yes. <laughs>
1: and stop by for supper on the way home so yes right. it worked out well
0: right okay uh so you saw him i guess then the day that he went on this uh, sabine that you said he went to work you did see him that day
1: no um we had been in and we were on our way home and the rest of the kids had gone out on friday night to the campground it was the september long weekend here okay and jamie had to work saturday so he wasn't going to go and i guess Sometime during the day, he changed his mind and decided, nope, he was going to go camping. So he phoned us. It must have been around four or five in the day. And we were on our way back from Edmonton, which is five hours away. And he phoned us to see if he could get a tent and said that he was going to go out camping. We knew the exact spot he was going to be at and who he was going to be with. And everything sounded great and then the next day we went out for the day and got a call from my other son saying he just found out jamie had gone missing
0: okay so that once again you've already explained this is an area that he knew very very well and it also sounds to me like this trip was kind of a last minute thing maybe he'd gotten up that day not sure if he was going to go he knew about people that went and then at some point during the day it was like you know what I'm gonna go hang out with these people up at this place that I know and they
1: could have even phoned him and said hey Jamie you know you still got a couple days out here might as well come out and the spot that they camped at um the boys would go out and camp at that specific spot all the time it was a place that him and his friends had camped at numerous times before okay.
0: and these people
1: in yeah. by themselves
2: okay
0: so is this like real like real honest to goodness camping with like no electricity or anything or is it like more of this glamping or whatever they call it now definitely was it-
2: not glamping
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so it was hardcore camping if you wanted to eat maybe you have like a charcoal and light the charcoal and cook things like Can that you go that- in the you go
1: in the bush and you get wood and you bring it out and you light a fire and you cook your food. Um, that's camping here. Okay. Um, where the campground was at is about, um, you're in the States. So I'll say 30 miles out. Okay. Um,
0: thank you. So about and, uh, what 40 is at 45 kilometers or something 50, like 50
1: kilometers. 50, kilometers. 50 kilometers. Okay.
0: Right. Okay. So not here close, is often. not close
1: uh, it's for here.
0: That's close. That's close. Um,
1: okay. Anywhere you go here, you're going to go a long ways to get there. Okay. Um, here, that's reasonably close. It was on the campground is actually started up by one of the logging companies. Mm. Can for logging. Um, and you go onto a logging road to get to it. It's about 10 miles off the main road. Having said that, there's three main oil fields, there's two logging companies, it is like a freeway out there. And we never even realized that until we started doing the search, yeah, you're going how, busy it is. how busy it is. It's also a natural paradise, so you will see black bears and cinnamons, grizzlies, wow. we saw wolves, we saw cougars,
0: mm-hmm. we,
1: you name it, it's out there. Okay. But they're all so big and fat and healthy. They're not, they don't normally eat humans. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Okay. All right. So, and uh, we, we don't need to get into the names of these people, but just give the, the the listeners and viewers an idea of who these people are. These are people that he had known for a long time, or some of them, his roommates. Just how big was the group? Just describe it.
1: There was, um, there was six males and... Um, A couple of them had their girlfriends out there, and Jamie brought out a friend of his that was a girl that I didn't really know much at that time, but she wanted to go out and Jamie, being Jamie, oh yeah, I'll give you a ride, come with me. Mm -hmm. Um, The boys he'd known since kindergarten or grade one, he'd gone to the same school with them, and... um, all the parents knew each other we've known each other you know by that time we'd known each other at least 10 or 15 years okay. and quite often they went camping with some of the families out there when he went camping the place was plugged uh they were actually camped right on a little island in the river um that was so dry that they could drive to it there was no water wow. um but there was a stay, get out there. There was all kinds of things happening.
2: Okay.
1: The yep. last long weekend of the summer, um, we'd had a drought and it was hot. Okay. So everybody, there must there was over 100 people out there. Wow. But,
0: but, in his, them, but in that little group that he knew, how many people would you say there were? Men, men and women together? Ten? We're
1: a city, but we're a small town. So oh. out of that hundred, there probably was a few they didn't know. Wow, I mean, it's it's a or maybe ninety thousand people here,
2: right? So nice.
1: it's a boom town. It's an oil field town, but anybody that's lived here for any length of time, everyone knows everyone.
0: Okay, so but in his in his camping successful. in his camping group though of these, you know, how big was his little camping camp-
1: group? There was probably I'm going to say eight, eight okay. of them. All right. But people came out and visited them off and on during the night and left. And the campsite, everybody mingles with everybody. So yeah. they weren't just at their
0: spot. They were all over the place that night. Okay. And I'm going to take for granted, what what kind of cell phone service do you get out there? None? None. Zero.
1: None. Okay. Um, which the RCMP even had boosters and they couldn't get cell phone reception out there you have to go about a mile up mm-hmm. either side to the top of a hill
2: mm-hmm.
1: and even then it's patchy okay. it's it's a really bad dead zone as far as cell phones
0: okay but he had been there before so jamie would have known this
1: oh yes everybody out there everybody knew. okay
0: yes. so we've already talked about the timeline of that day uh you had uh, you're in a, in, a, in Edmonton. He's going to work. He, he says, well, I don't know if I'm going to go. And then he decides to go. He takes a friend of his. They go out there. And what describe what, of course, you were not there, but what has been described to you on the circumstances of what happened that night to cause Jamie's disappearance? What did, uh, and I should also ask probably, do, do the, the people there, are their stories consistent? So you just tell us what the story is, and then you can tell, does everybody's story match up? That's a hard one. um,
1: okay. there was lots of drinking. and if you talk to the group of people he was with, mm-hmm. their stories might vary just a little bit here and there, but was it at five ten or was it at five twenty that he went oh. missing? you know not really major things, okay um of course when it all happened the first thing you do is you examine those people very carefully right what is your story why why were you different than the next person um but for the most part the police did not involve us in the investigation Mm -hmm. so we found out the boys had been polygraphed from their mothers That's how we we found out about it. The police never did tell us that.
0: We should go back to, please describe what they say happened that night. Maybe let's just go to that early morning. What did they say
1: happened? There was was a lot of drinking. Jamie was not himself. He was um, acting strange. Um, At one point, he got in his vehicle and he was leaving. He was coming home. And they said, no way. We are not letting you leave. A couple of, one boy was sitting in the vehicle with him and one was standing outside of the vehicle and they were trying to talk him into staying. And at that point, they said he was getting really upset about his father. Mm -hmm. And um, one of his friends decided to grab him out of the vehicle and take his keys away from him. Well, he opened the door, pulled Jamie out the door. And when he did, Jamie hit his head on the frame of the door. Oh. And it's a Jeep. So it's solid metal. There's mm. no, I've hit my head on it before getting in and out. And it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. It hurts. So when Jamie would get hurt, he would get mad and he would say, leave me alone. And he'd walk off, walk it off and come back. Mm. So when he got hurt, he blew up and told them all off, leave me alone. Just let me walk it off. And it was still pitch black out outside, And they said they could see him maybe 10 steps away from the fire. And that was it. And that was the last time they saw him.
0: And uh, what direction did they say that he went? Did they scribe, of course, directions? We're going to have to look like east, west, well, north, could, they south. They couldn't but...
1: tell because as, as soon tell. as he took four or five steps away from the fire, he disappeared. Okay. um the next day when we had found out he was missing, we did find the only thing we found of his was his first aid card and some cigarettes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, on the way out of the campground.
0: Okay. And camp we'll get to that. We'll get a little bit road, more...
1: It's about a mile in to the
0: camp. Yeah. So, well, and we'll get into that like... in a moment. I, I want to go back to this though. So he leaves. So they think, ah, he's just going to blow off some steam and he'll be back in 10 minutes or something. That's what they were thinking. Yes. Okay. Do you know how long it took for them before they figured, you know what, he's not back. We should go look for him. And did they go look for him even though it was dark? Do you know? Less than an,
1: in an hour, it would have been daylight or okay. at least semi-light. We have a lot of daylight up here, even that time of year. So by 5, 530 in the morning, it would have been light. Um, As soon as it got light, they got on a quad and they went to look for him. They drove around the campground. They didn't find it. There was a bunch of them still sleeping, so they woke them all up. Um, They started going around the entire campground, you know, trying to find him. Then some of them came back to town because they thought, well, maybe, you know, managed to hitch a ride back to town. So they went to his to their house. He wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So then they phoned all of his friends in town. Did you see Jamie? Well, one of them got a hold of Jamie's brother, Aaron, right away and said, look, Jamie's gone missing. Um, My son, Aaron, called the RCMP immediately. And by this time, it was around 12 o'clock. And we had been out for the day. We got a phone call from my son, Aaron, saying Jamie's gone missing where we were, we hit every back road doing relatively large speeds um, and got there. When we got there, the RCMP had just arrived. And we found out that there was actually a search and rescue group that had been out there at six o'clock in the morning, doing practice runs. So they were were notified immediately. So by by seven o'clock in the morning, Everybody in that campground knew he was missing.
0: And so those kids or the young people who were uh, with them. They stuck around. He's missing. He doesn't come back. They go they look stayed, for him. They stuck around. The police show up. So they're all there when the police show up so they can all be questioned. Yes. Okay. And, and were they, they, and were they still there when you got
1: extra, there? They stayed out there for an extra three days. Wow. It to search. And just in case he came back at night. Um, and then most of them would work all day long and then come out to the site, to the mustard area, the search area to search until dark.
0: So uh, regarding this, of course, it's dark. You've already explained that. Of course, these days people are used to I guess to remember this disappearance wasn't yesterday, but still within the cell phone era. And we've had like flashlights on our phones that you know that people can use, although they may not be as convenient as a real flashlight. But so they tried to go out and find them on their own quads and everything. It's daylight. Were they able, able to determine how bad this hit to his head was? So once it became daylight, for example, when they looked at the Jeep, was there any blood on it? Was the hit to his head no. bad enough to cause any blood? Anything like that that they saw?
1: There, there was nothing. Um, nothing that we could see.
0: Okay. All right. So then the searches start. And I, I know they were quite extensive. So you uh tell the listeners uh, i know that atvs helicopters people many many people you already had the search team that just happened to be out there explain what goes on i don't know for a week 10 days two weeks however long it went what went on and how extensive was it
1: it went on for 30 days um because we are such a remote place a lot of people took it very personally that jamie went missing um They were very, very upset with the RCMP over how things went, which drew even more people there. And some days we would have up to 200 people searching. We had one person running the muster station who would train everybody on, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to walk within a hand spread of each other. Every so many steps, you stop, you yell out all the way across the line to make sure everybody's there because you're in Bush. They weren't only looking for Jamie, they were looking for anything. So a lot of old shoelaces and you name it got brought in just in case they were Jamie's. I don't, by the time we left, the place was flattened from everyone going through.
0: Through the bushes. Um,
1: We had grid areas. So every time new searchers went out, they were assigned a new grid. Mm -hmm. We had uh, fish and wildlife were helping search. Um, Forestry was helping search. The oil field was helping search. The logging community was helping search. Um, Where I worked at, one of my volunteers was an old trapper. And the trappers out there do not like people coming around their trap lines. Mm. So he went out and he talked to all of them and... you know he was our liaison for that we had a lot of people coming from grand cash from the cooperatives there to help search we had people up to two hours away coming they'd work all day and come and help search for him and there was
0: nothing and we're gonna you did find a couple things we're gonna go back to she i know you've already mentioned we're gonna get to them specifically here in a bit so from the spot as best as you can tell from the spot where they were camping how far did you go in each direction i guess maybe uh in kilometers you can put it in kilometers uh how far in in any direction did the search go would you say
1: complete probably 10 miles in every direction
0: 10 miles so a 10 mile radius 20 miles diameter section wow
1: plus um it's a very large oil field so normally all of the um, well site shacks are la- locked up. Mm-hmm. The oil field went around and opened up every single one of them and put food and water in them. Um, originally, we thought that he had wandered, in, he'd gone in the bush. Yeah. And it's black, it's thick. Yeah. Even if Jamie's used to it, it's black and thick out there. Then we started searching and realized, no, uh, nobody could be lost out there. There's so much activity if you stop for two seconds and listen you can hear the net closest compressor or the closest pump jack or the closest well site mm-hmm. um you would walk towards that sound it's a very strange place you feel like you're alone but there's a million people out there
0: <laughs> okay
1: so right. I after a very short period of time I knew he he did not go push um the river people drown in every year in mm-hmm. the spring nice. um this was in the fall after a drought the rcmp said if you'd gone in the river and fell you would got wet but that was about it they you know he didn't drown.
0: um yeah you said it was a dry season it was a very dry season it was very hot you said that so the river is kind of right there of course i've already looked at the map of the general area but and the river has a lot of water in the satellite photo i'm looking at but at the time it was you no. could walk and just barely get it it's
1: to- still just as wide but it was you could have walked across it and not even got your knees wet okay and we had um canoes kayaks jet boats um river boats and they didn't just go down they went up just in case he went the wrong direction when he walked away Sure. Um, they followed it all the way until it dumps into another very large river. That we had. Um, there was helicopters, private ones, and oil field, going over and usually doing two, three swipes a day. Uh, we had religious groups in helicopters. We had small planes. Um, people that had gone to school with that had, you know, in their business had these little planes. Well, they. They would fly them over two, three times a day. We had quads, Argos. We had horses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there was a way of searching that we you
0: know. didn't do. Uh, the one thing you haven't brought up, and the listeners know, I'm not uh, a big believer in this, but I have to ask, what about dogs? Uh, dogs go out there. Did they follow any sense in any particular direction? What can you say about that? That's another story. Um <laughs> Please uh, tell us.
1: The RCMP who had just got there when we arrived, took the dog out of their vehicle and said, oh, it's too busy. Put the dog back in the car and left. That's their search and rescue dog, by the way. Um, So I'd say two weeks into it, we got someone that that, um, she does searches and she works with a lot of the groups that do it for the RCMP. She came out and she was helping with the search. And she did, her dog did, according to her find Jamie's scent. Okay. And it scented Jamie outside of the campground, back on the road that he came in, across the river, up the other side, and then for some reason he went in a tree. And she said the, strong, the scent was very strong at the tree, which meant he must have stayed there a little while. He then went down from that, and she said it looked like he went down a game trail and ended up in a gravel pit. Now...
0: How far away would felt, this have been, once again, in miles or kilometers? Uh, how probably, far away would this be?
1: Two miles, three miles, around three miles, which is not very far. Okay. Um, again, her dog was in training. But then two weeks later, just before the 30-day mark, um, we hired, had to hire dogs and dog handlers to come in. They worked for the RCMP, but since not requested by the RCMP, we had to pay for it ourselves. So again, our volunteers all pitched in, and the next day we had them on their way. And when they came, they were there for a very short period of time, and where they found the scent was across the river from where he had been camped at, and they said he seemed to have gone back out to the road, and his scent disappeared. Now it's a busy road, so that doesn't mean necessarily he went missing from that point. Mm-hmm. It just means they couldn't scent they couldn't track him anymore
0: because if they got back to the road. Would a question for you? you Say one that went down. Dog went into this quarry. Another dog ended up this road. Would you say that both of these animals acted in a consistent way, or did they go in opposite directions? Where the
1: handlers, the handlers knew each other very well. Um, After he went to this gravel pit, he went back out to the road. Apparently, there was people camped there. He walked out around where they were camped in the bush. And back down the hill to the river where it all started at. Um, so when the new dog handlers came, they started where the first one had left off. Oh. So where she quit tracking him, they started. Okay. So they didn't start at the beginning, I they see. started at where she left off at.
0: Hmm. Probably I, I'm going to guess retrospect uh, hindsight 2020. It would have been nice if the dog just started it point a again to see if you get a consistent because if you get two dogs two weeks apart going in the same direction well there might be something to that
1: the first time it was one dog the second mm-hmm. time there was i think four dogs
2: mm-hmm. but
1: they did pick up his scent in a couple of the places and that the first dog had marked okay. so instead of redoing it they went to where that dog left off at. okay the problem is this was 30 days afterwards.
2: Yeah,
1: right. Um, and when you're putting hundreds of people through the bush a day, what's left yes. of it to even smell Yeah. really. I mean, it looked like a bomb Gosh. went off
0: out there yeah. all the time we were done. Right, going Thank through uh, cutting down, I, you know, I don't know what you're, I don't know what environmentally you're allowed to do, but going trampling through the bushes. I don't know if you're allowed to cut anything down or anything. But certainly trampling through the bushes, pushing things out of the way, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, the last week that we did the search, we had had enough mm-hmm.
0: and
1: we used machetes or one, usually one person would use a machete. It okay. is really thick bush, really thick. really thick undergrowth. It had been logged 50 or 60 years ago. So when you go in there, it's all deadfall and old stumps and undergrowth and it's pitch black. Oh. So by the end of it, we had had enough. We've, you know, we're not going back through here again. We're going yeah. to make sure it's gone through. We're going to make sure we can see everything. Okay. And um, we searched for 30 days. And when the dog handlers came up with their report that they gave to the police, they said within a 95% certainty, I think it's 95 mm-hmm. um, Jamie was not there dead or or alive and had not been for 24 hours after the disappearance, is what they came up with. At that point, the RCMP told us to shut the search down.
0: Okay. All right. Now, you did mention this quarry, so we're going to move on to this uh, next. There was a footprint in this quarry. Is this the same quarry you're talking about where this dog ended up or is it a different one?
1: Exactly the same
0: one. All right. Please Uh tell the story then, please.
1: It was about a week into the search. Um, We checked, there's gravel pits all around there. And we went into each and every one. The one we went into, you could tell someone had walked up on the pile and went around it till they got to the top. And then there was footprints at the top again. It's really hard to get a footprint from a running shoe especially in gravel, mm-hmm. but the one at the top, it must've been wet because you could see somewhat of a tread. Mm-hmm. Um, we could not prove it was Jamie's footprint, but we figured it probably was. Wow. It was after that, that the dog handler came to us and told us that she had tracked him and he had gone back through this gravel pit. So to me, that just kind of, to me said, well, that was probably Jamie's print and the thing we had over 200 and some psychics nonstop. I mean, yeah we're forever. not gonna we're
0: not gonna talk about psych so we don't no, talk but about but, so, um, we're not gonna talk about psychics no, on no, here but, uh, just,
1: but yeah. um dogs go by their nose
2: yeah right and that's Dude. what i'm trying
1: to get at is psychics there was a million of them out there. I don't trust right. that anymore. Uh, right? Right, right. But a dog, it has nothing to win or lose either way. It's not going to lie to you. It is depending solely on its nose. And since, to me, different clues did match up kind of with what the dogs came up with, I believe what the dogs came up with. Uh, more than anybody. Okay. You know, stories can change. Dog goes by its nose.
0: <laughs> Did you tell me though that this tread was unique? There was something unique Very about unique. it. The shoe was unique. was it a limited edition or something like that? It was more it than was... just this tread kind of being in the gravel and you think it... there was something unique about it.
1: Yes. Um, it was Jamie had just bought his shoes the day before. Um, so we went to the shoe store, found out what type it was. Um, it was an Adidas shoe. But the track on the bottom is all these small squares with an X across them. That was the only shoe Adidas put out that had that tread. Mm. Um, To our knowledge, there was no other shoes with that tread. When Jamie bought it, he bought a size 13. Um, When we went back in to try and get shoes so we could look for tracks, all they had left was 12s. And they said, well, that we only got a couple pair of 13s in. So they're all, you know, Jamie bought one. Somebody else bought the other. So all we have is a size 12. So we went in and they finally gave us a shoe. But it's not a deep tread. And it's a really unique, but it's not deep. So it's hard to get a, a footprint from. Um, we found lots of tracks, but there were so many people out there. How do you know who who made right. the footprint?
0: Uh would you say that is I, I I'm maybe guessing now you might be an extra uh an expert in, in shoe prints and footprints, but maybe at the time you weren't. Uh would you say that the tread that was in this gravel pit could it have been a size thirteen or not?
1: Yes. Because it was much bigger than a thirteen. When a footprint is made, um whether it's in the snow or gravel or mud, yeah. the print is always much bigger than the bigger. actual
0: shoe okay all right so the print to- <laughs> is, it could be i get the print that was in this gravel that was the impression was made certainly could have been a size 13. definitely okay was um, this when the this area followed,
1: followed tracks before and turned out that they were my husband's which were a size seven hmm. so i explained it to them okay you have great big huge boots on Was it bigger than yours or smaller than yours? If it's not bigger than yours, then it can't be his. And that's what I explained to all of the searchers. (laughs) This kid had snowshoes for feet. So if you look at a small print, don't worry about examining it too much. It's definitely not his.
0: When uh, when you found this print uh, with the dog, of course, ending up there... um had other people already been there or was this like the only print there did it look like i guess what i'm saying is when the print was founded it seemed like it was just one person walking alone and there were no other prints around one person not
1: one person and they didn't whoever it was didn't walk straight up the gravel pile they walked around it to get it to the top you know at an angle like you would on a car yeah um again something a little different Mm-hmm. Most people would walk straight up the pot. Straight up. But
0: okay. kind, of I have no idea circle, why. kind of did a circle around. Yeah. It, right?
1: Going up. You so know. Um, up.
0: okay,
1: No idea why. <laughs>
0: okay. But uh, but unfortunately this footprint uh, did not go in any you know, we think about footprints, we think of them going in a particular direction. This was not that. This was like the solitary footprint. You couldn't tell where this person went from there
1: yes actually you could you could um when they got to the top of the pile the prints were at the top of the pile pointed directly back to the road and they went down the hill towards the road back out of the gravel pile.
0: okay all right and that's where the prints ended and that's where the scent ended this is all happening in the same area
1: well no that's where we couldn't once they hit the gravel road you can't see prints
0: yeah
1: um the dog actually scented him going out of the gravel pit across the road where people were camped, which would be the side of, I guess, the east side. But it went around where the people were camped. Whoever that dog was scenting seemed to be avoiding people.
2: Right.
1: Then from there, it went back down to the river and that's where she stopped tracking. That's where the other dogs picked up.
0: And you, and did you see any prints while this dog was going this, did you see any prints of this similar patterned shoe along that path?
1: Again, it would have been impossible. Been impossible. It really
2: would have okay. been.
0: Um, right. The
1: loose gravel and hundreds of searchers, yeah. there's, there was no way of really telling.
0: Okay. Let's move on to this. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, these two items, a medical card, and cigarettes, uh, where were they? How far away were they from the camping spot where he hit his head? And were they also in the general direction of where this gravel pit was? What you know? When were they found? Let's talk about that topic right now.
1: Okay. Um, to do that, I have to describe the road going in. You turn off the main road and the road into the campground is about a mile, a mile and a half long. But it goes in and makes a loop back towards the river. So where they were camped, if he bushwhacked it and went through the bush, it would have been about a quarter of a mile. If he went along the road, it would have taken him a mile and a half out. Where the card was found and the cigarettes, there was no trace that he was in the bush. The bush wasn't knocked down. There wasn't a path. There wasn't anything which led us to assume then he would he walked the road out which would have been a mile and a half
0: okay uh and so how does this all correspond as best you can you were there i've not most of the listeners probably haven't been how does this correspond with the dog sense with this trip does it all seem to kind of go together or not
1: um from where the card was found was very close to where the road is okay um at the road, you are right at the bridge that crosses the river. It's a one-lane bridge. Okay. So, from where the card was found to where she started scenting him, would be just the other side of the bridge. So, in less than an eighth of a mile away.
0: All right. So Very fairly close. consistent. So these things, these things you're picking up, the dogs, this tread. These items, which are certainly being this medical card, had his name on it, right? So you know for yes. sure that it's his. And were the cigarettes a brand that he smoked? Yes. All right. So let's just and say almost positively the those cigarettes were his.
1: seemed, they weren't in a pack, and they seemed to be scattered around on the ground. Okay. And which might sound strange, except for in the vehicle, we found his cigarette lighter and other things. I can see him pulling a cigarette out to light it. And finding out he didn't have a ladder or lighter and getting bad and just tossing
0: them. And then in the process is his card uh, falls out. Did he not have a wallet for that card? Or, you know, I know here in the United States, like, you know, I know we have a different health system than Canada's, but I do have a insurance card that I have have in my wallet. Is this not what he did or. or,
1: Well, this isn't actually a health care card. It's called a first aid card and it's, industrial first aid training that he had to take for work okay so it'd be a car that really didn't mean that much okay. um if it was his driver's license it would have been in his wallet mm. other stuff probably got stuck in his pockets okay if you have to go out to a site you have to pull out your tickets and show people so quite often they're not in your wallet okay. now that doesn't mean that's what happened but when i saw it, there was um there was nothing disturbed, um, didn't look like somebody had wiped out into the long grass or the bush or come through the bush. Um, there was some footprints there, but again, no possible way of knowing if they were his footprints, but when it's cards there, you assume those were his footprints. But
0: and again, maybe I'll ask you old. this, when the, the regarding the card, the cigarettes, how soon were they found after he went missing? How long did it take to find
1: them? Um, my other son, Aaron, actually found them when we were out there. Huh. And that would have been early afternoon.
0: Very quickly. Really quickly. Yes. Okay.
1: That's right. kind of the strange part about this. I mean, there was first aid. There was search and rescue on site by 7 o'clock and 6, 7 in the morning to do training exercises. Mm-hmm. They, they were notified immediately. So yes. people were out looking for him. Probably within an hour to an hour and a half of him going missing.
0: Very quickly. Okay. All right. So those items are found. I'm guessing that the police collected those and they're still in the RCMP's possession all these years later, or?
1: Uh, The card, yes. The card is. Um, A lot of the things didn't get transferred over from search and rescue to the RCMP. Right. We're going to talk about Uh, search and rescue are RCMP. A lot of them are the ones that have been retired off the street or, you know, um, things like that. And we found out 30 days afterwards, they were to transfer the file to the RCMP to begin investigation. It never happened. So at that time, the RCMP I had to go on radio, TV, and in the paper asking anybody who was out there to
0: come forward. All right, we're gonna get further deep into that a little later, that's a preview for everybody. I now wanna to go to the truck driver story that you told me. This seems, wow, uh, it seems like a, missed, a huge missed opportunity in all of this. And I'm still wondering what this, why this person didn't alert everybody else. When did you first hear about this story? What is the story?
1: Um I guess it was close, either it was pretty close to the end of the search. Um, when I returned to work, my co-worker who was when this all happened, my work shut down and everybody vacated and went out to search for my son. Okay. Um, she had been out at the search off and on for like the full 30 days. And when I go back to work, she said, well, whatever happened with the truck driver? And I said, what? Well, what truck driver? I have not heard of a truck driver. And she said, well, yes, that was about a week after Jamie went missing. We had a table set up at the turnoff to the um, campground so that people driving by, they could stop and question them to see if they saw Jamie. Um And a red logging truck, fully loaded, pulled up. The man inside was mid-30s, blonde hair, about shoulder length, a little dirty looking, but if you're working all day, you probably are. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, I picked a boy up about a week ago out here. Is that who you're looking for? And she said, yes. And he gave a description of Jamie. Said that he had picked him up on the other side of the bridge, right where the trackers later said his scent disappeared. Okay, and that he had been bloodied, looked like he'd been in a fight. Um, but okay, but he'd been in a fight. Said, "Can I get a ride out of here?" And the truck driver told him, "Yes, but I'm headed to Grand Cash," and which is two hours the opposite direction of grand prairie um jamie hopped supposedly hopped in his truck got a ride as far as the truck driver was going he was going to the the mill at grand cache and he let jamie off there and that was the last he knew of anything at that time apparently he gave his name and his phone number now she passed all the information on to the woman who ran the muster site who insists she doesn't know anything about it um yeah if i was to believe one of the two it would definitely be the woman who took the tip to begin with i've worked with her forever one of the most honest people you'll ever meet um Mm -hmm. so i believe her that it did occur why the other one did nothing and I can see why she would insist she'd never heard of it before if she didn't do anything about it. Um, right. So we contacted the RCMP. We told the RCMP. They said, well, there's not much we can do about it now. You don't have a name, you don't have a number, which is only partially true. Um, he was hauling overburden out of the bush. Only one mill takes it, it's the Grand mm-hmm. Cash Mill. They uh-huh. only have one driver who does that run five days a week. It would have simply been a matter of getting a hold of the place and saying, did you have a driver that did that is Was this his truck? Is this what he looked like? They didn't. I tried because of OIP, um, which is the Freedom of Information Act in mm-hmm. Canada. Okay. They can't release any information to me, none. Um, so it went into the papers once it was on his site quite a bit um never heard anything so then i got this brilliant idea i started contacting every trucker site up here every facebook page every Mm -hmm. if there was a word trucker in it i got a hold of it yeah um and they spread the word and there's a couple of them that actually do look for missing persons um and to begin with, I didn't hear anything. And about 2 or 3 weeks later, somebody came forward and said, "Hey, that sounds like a guy I work with. I live in Grand Cash. He had a red logging truck. Description kind of fits him." Okay. So I drove to Grand Cash, took pictures of the truck. Um, he told me where it was parked at. And then tried to get a hold of the guy. Um, Again, pass the information on to the RCMP. Uh, about a week or two later, uh, my contact phoned me back and said, "No, it turns out he didn't buy that truck till after, months after Jamie went missing." And that's where it that's
0: that was the end of where it
1: stopped. That was there's nowhere else I could go with it.
0: Wow! So this, he, he, he stops, says, "Yeah, I picked up a guy, you know, this young kid." could be Jamie, tell somebody the woman gets the information, pass it on to like up the chain of command, I guess. But then the person who is at the muster site, which the muster is where everybody would gather would show up and they'd get instructions on what to do that day. This this woman is saying, I don't know what she's talking about. I never got that.
1: I think she dropped the ball. And afterwards realized what it meant. And that's why she insists she knows nothing about the tent. Um, As far as the truck driver, I have talked to so many missing families
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and investigations. And sometimes people will say things like that to make themselves sound like a hero, even if they really never did anything.
0: My business. I know. know. The
1: fact of where he picked him up really didn't mean anything until me, until the dogs did their. Right perching And they said that he went into that side of the river to across from where he had been camped, came back out, and that's where it ended. Um they said he was not there dead or alive and hadn't been for at least 24 hours after he disappeared. So to me, just the dogs did kind of line up with some of the tips that we got. Okay. And let's face it, there's only two choices. He was either dead or he was alive.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, that's a choice for all of us. Um, so just to give everybody a, an idea then, being that once again, most people have not been there. He picked, we uh, are to believe this story, the truck driver picks Jamie up at a certain spot. How long would the ride have been from where he picked him up to where he dropped him off? How far? Two hours. It would be two hours. You know, and unfortunately, you know, this woman took this information. So we have no context of what they might have talked about for those two hours. This mm-hmm. truck driver who stopped said, Well, he looked like he went his fight. Well, did you ever ask him? Were you in a fight? Why are you out here by yourself? Why are you all bloodied? Did you get in a fight with a bear? We don't have this guy, did not say anything like, like any of that. He just said, Yeah, I picked well, up we, this guy and dropped him off. And
1: How much was actually said in the conversation, I really don't even know. Because, again, um, I wasn't there and I heard about it after. Yeah. So we had numerous leads like that over the years where by the time they're ever taken seriously or checked out, it's too late.
0: You know, it's just, you know, it's weird to me that, you know, you, you know, I, you know, I'm just your average person. I'm driving along, of course, I wouldn't pick up a hitchhiker anyway, but I certainly would not. I don't think pick up a hitchhiker that looked like he or she had been in a fight. I might call 9 you know, here in the United States or something. I don't know if I'm going to let somebody in my truck or my car. So
1: um, me, but you know. here, yes, yes, you would. Um for a number of reasons one I mean coming from that campground he probably had got in a fist fight big deal he needs a ride out um people don't hitchhike on the road as much as they used to but this was straight yeah. out of campground right yeah um it didn't surprise me in the least that happens here okay um you'll still see hitchhikers here
0: <laughs> okay all right so this we got this we got this story guy picks him up drops and this area this place where he dropped him off does this have any significance to jamie to anybody in your family does he know anybody lives there or what
1: no he would have dropped him off on the road where the turnoff went into the sawmill nice. um past there um there's what's called a, co- a cooperative some of the First Nations people up here um, used to live in our national park. When they formed our national park, they booted them out. They ended up in Grand Cache. And because that wasn't their ancestral lands, they never got treaty rights. So the government gave them these little pieces of land they call cooperatives. Okay. So we went to them. Um, they don't like outsiders, and they really do not like most white people either. Um, they were great people, absolutely yeah. phenomenal, but, um, we went to the one closest to us to where he would have been dropped off and had a very strange experience. And they said he was not there. Um, yeah. we pulled off of the road and before we could get, even get halfway down the driveway, they came flying out of their, um, trailer over to our truck. And I asked if they had seen Janie and, oh no, we heard about it, but him, no. I said, yes, but did you see him? And she said, oh, we have dogs, we would have heard of him. Hmm. I said, you're not answering my question. I said, did you see my son? And she said, I already told you, my dogs would have heard him, my dogs didn't hear him.
0: Yeah, that's a non sequitur. Yeah.
1: Thing is, is they don't like outsiders, so they don't tend to want to tell you much anyway. Right. But the whole experience was very strange to say the least. Yeah. Now, a lot of those people came and searched for him. so.
0: Okay. I want to ask you going back to the, this whole, you, so the woman who took this information for the truck drivers, a woman you know very, very well. Very well. Very yes. reliable, just as reliable person you'd ever know. How did the person be the above her, this muster person? How did she get into that position? Where does she come from? Who is she? And you know, maybe we need to know. This a bit all
1: evolved about through, through my work. Um, mm-hmm. Where I worked in a museum and um, when all of this happened, they locked up the doors and everybody came out to the search site to help search. One of the women out there had been at the museum only a few months, and our boss paid her to be out there huh. for the first two weeks and run the muster spot. She did have previous search and rescue experience. She'd been in on searches before. Very nice person and have a wing nut.
0: Excuse me, very nice person. And yeah. a
1: half a wing nut. <laughs> oh, half a wing
0: nut. All right. All right. And um, so, and very so,
1: strange what... and like I said, I would definitely believe the person who said they got the tip over the person who was
0: at the muster spot. All right. She was so... not
1: somebody we picked. My boss hired her from the staff.
0: All right. So let's maybe go this direction. After these searches were all done, unfortunately, and Jamie wasn't been found, and everybody kind of went back everybody else except you and your family, of course, went back to their normal lives. Uh, what went on with this particular muster woman after this? Uh, did you ever talk to her again about this particular no, she story? Was
1: fired.
0: She, was no, she was fired. fired.
1: So, um, yeah, didn't really have much to do with her. after that. When I contacted her, it was actually through Facebook. Okay. And I talked to her and I said, about the tip I said what happened with that tip and she said I've never heard of that before I said I don't believe you I do believe what Rhonda said did you accidentally lose the number or did something happen that you couldn't pass the tip on and she just said nope never heard of it before and she had had a nervous breakdown years before that and I guess was on a fair amount of
0: um did she seem apologetic about it I mean she didn't admit to anything but she said I'm sorry but I I I gotta be honest I don't know anything about that or was it a little bit more short and curt um
1: well she started with I'm sorry that never happened that never occurred okay. and I said well no I I think it did I just want to know why it didn't get passed on i mean things happen but i thought to know and she said no she must be lying i'm telling the truth it never occurred so there's nothing you can do i mean it's one okay. against the other. There's no proof, okay right so you have to pick who you think probably was telling the truth
0: did this other woman who you trust so much? Did she, when she found out that this other woman's saying never happened? Did the two ever have words? Did she go confront her and say, "You know, I gave you that message"? That do you know if anything like fired. that?
1: By that time, she'd been fired.
0: Okay, so, but you uh, don't know she, if she's the you're... woman
1: who took the tip was very, very upset about it. Okay, and to this day, um, Rhonda still helps out with anything to do with searches. Anytime I need any help at all in trying to help find Jamie. She's the first person there. Um, When they first moved here, her daughter ended up at the same school as my son, Jamie, and was bullied. Jamie didn't like that and would walk her all the way to the museum every day to where her mom was. And she just hero-worshipped him. She she was very sweet on him. Okay. (laughs) But, I mean, they still help to this day, 12 years later. Okay. Anytime I need anything.
0: All right. So I think we've covered this truck story. I think we're going to come yes, around with this. So. Yeah, we just want to make sure we go over and over and over this, because you know, when you told me, obviously, when we first spoke, this seems something, something is very significant. And I just want to make sure the listeners can judge for themselves, you know, exactly yes. what's going on here. Yes. Let's move on to this. Uh, Polygraphs were given to at least some of the people who were there that night. Uh, what were the results? And I guess, though, a couple people did not take them. What, what was the uh, the status of the lie detector tests?
1: Uh, all of the boys that were with Jamie at the campsite, the camp together, they were all polygraphed. Um, at the time, I did not know it had been done. It was the mothers mm. who told me. So then I talked to the investigator, the RCMP investigator after that. And he said, yes, they had all been polygraphed. All of them were telling the truth. There was no doubt in their mind whatsoever that they passed the the polygraph. They just did not know what happened. Um, There was, I thought it was two, but I think there's actually, there was three girls out there. Okay. Two were with um, a couple of the boys. The one girl went out there with Jamie. They were friends, but she got a ride out there with them. She, I had assumed that they had questioned all the girls, but that is as far as it had gone. And a year or two later, I was talking to her and she said, no, they never questioned any of us girls. Hmm. So I said, well, they need your statement about what happened. So she agreed. I phoned the RCMP here. They arranged for a police officer to go to her home in B.C., and take her full statement the other two girls nobody really knew them much and they have long since gone so i really i have no idea even where they are wow they weren't exactly long-term serious relationships
0: all right (laughs) right and once again if we're to believe that he walked off and you know and all these other things the dogs and everything else then uh you know, I, I don't know if we suspect any of these people at all, but i I realized that I was going to ask this question about the polygraph. I think it's most notable that the guys, it seems the guys who were trying to stop, most importantly, the guys who were trying to stop him from driving were t- were questioned. They didn't try to avoid anything. They didn't try to get lawyers. They voluntarily gave these polygraphs and they passed,
1: yes. And yeah. as a mother, of course, you look at each one of them, yeah. You pick them apart. Um, of
0: course.
1: when someone goes missing you never trust anybody again so uh, everything everybody says you question always but I, you know they've gone through hell they've had 12 years of people accusing them of things yep of insisting you must know you must know on his site the comments are always they'd better haul those boys butts back in and question them again and it has destroyed most of their lives. And I mean completely destroyed their lives. And if I thought they knew anything, I'd be the first one to nail them to cross to find it out. Mm. But they were also very much like Jamie. They were all mama's boys. Um <laughs> to put it mildly. Okay. And I don't think any of them could have kept a secret past 15 minutes, let alone 12 and a half years. I really, really think someone Would have said something okay um i really don't think they know
0: okay i'm inclined to i'm inclined to agree with you now let's bring this disappearance uh closer to home and in fact onto your own property you've had some stories um we'll start with the first story of a truck and your truck and it has something to do with the heater in the truck when when did this you start noticing this what is this particular story
1: Well um after Jamie went missing when winter arrived um our heater wasn't very good in our truck so what we did is we bought this little car warmer heater that you plug into your cigarette lighter and it would keep it to a certain temperature at night so that when I went and started it in the morning it wouldn't take much to heat it up mm-hmm. Um, you had to unplug it from the cigarette lighter every time you got out because it would continue running, whether the key was in it or not.
0: That yeah, could be dangerous.
1: And we didn't, we never locked our vehicles. Um, they're old vehicles. It just,
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, I'd rather you got in it than you broke the window.
2: Um,
1: mm-hmm. uh, but it happened on five or six occasions where we'd go out to the truck and the space heater would be plugged in. It would be warm in the truck and the battery would be dead. Huh. Now, if it was somebody stealing, there was stuff, there was change, there was money in the the console, there was stuff all over in the vehicle that actually could have been stolen if someone was that desperate.
0: Even the heater itself.
1: Nothing was ever touched. Yeah, here, you're lucky if they don't walk away without the vehicle. But yeah. no, nothing was. The only way we knew it is it would be plugged in, it would be warm, and my battery would be dead. Um, yeah. There's a lot of strange things that have happened here. Not so much in the last few years, but especially the first year. On three different occasions, um, my son or husband woke up to hear somebody by in our house by our back door again we didn't lock our doors because we were thinking maybe jamie would come home someday yeah and the first time it happened my son woke up and he thought it was his dad his dad thought it was oh yeah there's Aaron. he's going out again late at night they both realized that no that that's you know not the other person And at that time, on the first one, Aaron got up, and he went to the back door, and I have a chair there. And somebody had been sitting in the chair because it was wet in front of the chair, but there was no one there. So he went outside to look. It's dark enough that, no, he couldn't see anybody around. Um, It happened twice more after that. So three times again, if someone comes in your house, they're usually not just coming in to warm up. If it's a stranger, they're coming in to burglarize or <laughs> rip or something off or, or steal something, or it's a crack addict who's sitting there going, um, mm-hmm. but just somebody coming and going like that is very unusual.
0: Did you not tell me, though, that regarding, uh, going back to the heater story, that there were footprints around, you know, if it's winter, you know, I just take for granted that not, snow's going to be around not there.
1: Then, um then. It actually happened at my work. Oh, okay. Again, I work at a museum. I design exhibits and look after collections. And every year in December, we shut everything down to rip apart our exhibits and rebuild our new exhibits for the year. And um, we are in a park, in a ravine. Um, There is no direct road there except for the staff entrance that comes down a hill. And... I went to go out to my vehicle at the end of the day, and there's footprints around my vehicle that were the identical tread of Jamie's. These ones, the tread was good. It was wet, sticky snow, Mm -hmm. and it was a good tread. It looked like they walked down the the hill, walked around my vehicle, walked to the door, tried the door, and then left. So I called the police right away. Um, They came and they photographed the footprints, measured them, and sent it all to Adidas. Mm -hmm. Adidas came back with it. Yes, that was that exact type of shoe. And it was a size 13. Huh. wow. Now we know from when we got his shoe that there was only two 13s sold in Grand Prairie and one of them was to Jamie. Yeah. So not proof it was him. But in my mind, I knew it was
0: um have any uh break-in problems at this museum anybody ever break in try to break in anything like that sounds like this was what, like what this person was trying to do maybe it no. might have been jamie oh no like-
1: no it, it, they we it, it had been broken numerous times but usually they were we had a village so they usually would try and get through the fence to get into the village to a, break into an old building sleep in whatever if they were trying to get in the building they would go to the front of the building where there was glass and they'd break the glass mm-hmm. where the door is for the staff entrance is solid wall. There's not a window for mm-hmm. 40 feet because museum collections cannot handle sunlight. Right. So there's no way that you would get in that door. That's why they always break the glass on the front to get in because you, you can't get in these doors. There's steel and they have, you know, few locks on them you're not going to yeah. break into them
0: and how long once again how long was this after Jamie went missing that you noticed about your car and these footprints around your car
1: it was on December 29th um so about
0: three months later yes wow okay so what about any, any going uh going back to your own vehicle that was parked outside with the heater and everything snow in the ground did you see any footprints for that you know it seemed to me it's canada foot footprints snow on the ground anything like that that could help you out
1: no um Um, because where we park everybody gets in and out of the vehicle at that point it would be packed mm -hmm. down and there'd be so many footprints that there's no way that you would have enough soft snow to impress a print in
0: okay and did you ever talk to your neighbors about this did they ever have any kind of the same thing maybe somebody no. seeming trying to break into the house somebody going into their cars at night anything like that nothing nothing wow. nothing at all okay you also had this story about these are they called alpine of it in the outline alpine flowers somebody was leaving you flowers somewhere at your house and you thought this was of course noteworthy maybe- because of uh somebody had to know that you were really into these to give you
1: that just the pure strangeness of it it, Mm. it, um the flowers they look like a daisy a yellow daisy and the middle is yellow they only grow in the alpine around here so grand cache area is one of the places they grow we're really not far from the mountains here um if you drive south of here an hour you're in the mountains so Um, They didn't come from Grand Prairie. They're not sold in a greenhouse. They are wildflowers. Where they grow is in the Alpine. I came home and I went to go in my back door and I went to open the screen door. And here somebody has picked flowers, plant, roots, dirt and all, and stuffed them between my screen window and the screen on my screen door. And like I said, I could see a flower. But the flower, the plant, roots of dirt and all were stuck in there. And I thought, okay, that could just be somebody that's, you know, been involved in the search that we met a few of them that weren't quite right. So, you know, mm-hmm. once happening, you think, well, maybe it could be somebody else. But I was known as the flower lady when my kids were little. Um, I've got a degree in horticulture. I love plants. I was called Flowerly, but the next year, just about to the day or very close to the day, I came home and on my front part, I've got a small cast iron table and chairs. And on it was a yellow alpine daisy with the plant, the roots, the dirt, everything laying on my table. Hmm. Um over the years, there's been a number of things show up and always right around the same time. Um, the last one has been a few years ago now, but it was a medallion that was made of jade that had been hand-carved and not very well. <laughs> mm. And again, it was sitting there. Um, mm. There's jade found at Grand Gash. So... <laughs> If it if it was just somebody picked some up, it'd be pretty rare to find jade around here. Did they buy it from a craft store or get it from somewhere like that? That would definitely be possible. But whoever carved it, it was not somebody. It was not bought, and nobody would have. It right, was, it's not
0: professionally done.
1: No, no.
0: It what about like, these flowers? You, you, once again, given that you live there, we don't. Uh, how far would you have to go from your house to fl- find those flowers? How far?
1: The very closest would maybe be an hour in the bush. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're not very far from the mountains.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But to get to them, you either go to Grand Cache, which is two hours, or you have a big four-wheel drive and you just go straight into the bush and it's much closer but it'd still take you two hours to get in and out
0: so what you're saying is whether it was uh, jamie or somebody else these flowers came from at least an hour away
2: yeah you couldn't just right
0: go right like to the nearest woods or forest near where you live and find them no no you couldn't wow and what kind they're called alpine flowers is that what they're called
1: it's it's a type of daisy that grows That's in the mountains, daisy. so okay. they call them an alpine flower. Um, okay. Grand Cache has millions of wildflowers. It's absolutely beautiful in the summertime. Mm-hmm. It's just fields and mountains of wildflowers. But that would be the closest place that you could find that
0: that one. Okay. Nice. But you say this has, not and when you say it was usually happening around a certain time of year, what time of year was this, that this was occurring over and over?
1: End of September. End of September. Near the end of September. When the first ones arrived was um, within the last, I think we, the search ended a few days after that. So it was the end of September. And Mm -hmm. after that, it's always been right around that same period of time. Okay. Now, according to my family, it's just a kook <laughs> that, you know, which yeah. you never know. Like, but it's a pretty consistent you can, kook. You cannot say everything is a coincidence.
0: It's a pretty consistent kook to be doing it just one time a year, consistently, year after year after year. That, That's a pretty consistent kook. And it cook. hasn't
1: happened for the last couple of years.
0: Okay.
1: It, it did go on for about 10 years. Wow. Okay. And strange things, like <laughs> there was there, it was never anything that was bought or purchased, or it was always strange things like the flowers.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's so move on to this. And you've already mentioned it. We're going to go over it again. You talked about this paperwork that I just have it as lost in the outline, but why don't we go through this again? So all this work was done for these searches. And then somehow it didn't get passed along to the actual RCMP from one division to another. Please explain that.
1: For the first 30 days, it was um, the RCMP, but they were considered the search division of the RCMP, search and rescue. Um at the end of their search and rescue, which was the 30 days, the file is then handed over to the investigative arm of the RCMP, which never occurred. Um, We found that out because they had to go into the paper and the TV and radio and ask anyone that was out there to please come and re-give their statements. Now, a few years after that, they did a, um, it's called a Crime Stoppers video. They take actors out and kind of walk through what happened. Yeah. Um, the my investigator, or Jamie's investigator at the time, was on holidays, and a couple of days before it, he phoned me up and he said, "They're going to try and cancel it on you." He said, "They're using an the excuse; they've got nobody to drive them around." He said, "I'm giving you a heads up so you know what's going on." Mm-hmm. And I said, like hell, they're cancelling it. Uh. So I went and this is happening. I will drive you all around. I've got a car with great big, huge gangster trunk in it. I can stick you all in there if I have to. I don't care. We're doing uh. this. Um, and they actually did two crime stopper videos. Another one was of a girl that I don't really know much about the other one. Um, but at that time the head of the cold case investigation unit was down for the Crime Stoppers video. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And he talked to me a bit and he said, well, I was going to read the file, but it's not all there. I said, I know. First month's missing, right? And he said, yes. He said, that seems strange. I said, well, I want his case out of here. I want it with the cold case. I do not want it left here. He said, well, let me see what I can do. Um, the next day they were getting ready to fly out. I drove them to the airport or was going to, um, I went there and they said, well, one of the police cars was taking them. And I said, so what about Jamie's case? And he said, oh, no, no, it's all good. It all looks fine. And that was it. Jamie's case is still here. Um, and it's going to get even worse because the city has now decided to go with city police rather than RCMP. City police and RCMP will not share investigations, no. so they'll get Jamie's missing person case handed to them with no information.
0: What happens in the United States too. A lot of egos out there. And the thing is,
1: they still won't transfer him to the cold case, even though it's been twelve and a half years.
0: And what's their explanation for that
1: it's not a cold case and what is it that's what i said i <laughs> said when's the last time anybody looked through his file from beginning to end well that's never occurred we don't have time to look through that kind of stuff i said then as far as i'm concerned you're not investigating it. if you're not investigating it it's a cold mm-hmm. case and they said no a cold case is when there's no longer tips he has Since we still get tips off and on, it's not a cold case. Therefore, it cannot be transferred. So are they saying
0: uh, that they're still receiving tips on Jamie's disappearance? Are they saying that they're still receiving tips on Jamie's disappearance to this day? Is that what they're saying? I get
1: a couple tips. I get a couple tips, usually two or three tips every, still every year I I do. Um, Most of them are, they are not Jamie, um, but you have Mm. to check out every tip. And I have always phoned the RCMP and notified them every time we get a tip. Um, I can't expect them to work with me if I don't work with them. Yeah. And I give them the benefit of the doubt. I tell them what's going on. You check into it because I'm going to. So you can check it yourself or you can let me do it. I don't care, but um, they're used to me by now.
0: It's a weird definition of a cold case. Uh, we, it's not a cold case because we keep getting tips. Well, but it doesn't sound to me like the tips are going anywhere. And so, are you saying that you know you're going to put it into the cold case uh, bureau or whatever? But then you get you know some psychic who you know says a tip and it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, we got to keep you know it's not going into the cold case just because. You know somebody who in my opinion would not have a lot of credibility says all oh, this happened it seems like a weird way to define that
1: I'll put it this way the last tip that i got um came through to me and it was a link to a child pornography site oh of someone who thought while investigating something that they saw jamie on it. well for one thing that was 12 years ago he's not 19 anymore He's right. not 16. right? But I've checked out every tip there ever is, and you don't know how god-awful that was. I sat there and I lived through the whole thing. It was horrific. Yeah. And those are the things as a parent you have to deal with as a, with a missing child. You have to check out every tip, no matter how gruesome, how gross, or how disgusting. Because if you don't, that could be the one tip that you missed. I've been down to... Homeless encampments in the middle of the night because I got a tip. Um, I've been in some pretty, I've gone to biker's clubhouses, walked on in and sat my ass down. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
2: I'm
1: here. I want answers. What do you know? Do you not know? Um, I've been very pushy, but trying to find out what happened to my son and no one is going to scare me away from doing that ever. Ever.
0: We should so, be clear. So he would be 31 now. 31 yes. if 31. So he was 19 when he went missing. So he's 31 now. And yes, he of course would look a lot different than he would at 19. He's a young
1: man. Yeah. Um yeah, baby face. So when he his nineteen year-old picture, he looked like your typical sixteen year old. Mm-hmm.
0: Thirty one. Yeah, he looks very young for his age, you, for
1: sure. You look much different. All right.
0: Right. And that's a mistake a lot of people make. They see a missing person's picture and they say, well, I think I saw that picture. Yeah, but this person went missing twenty years ago. Surely that person does not look like that now. You know. So. And we got
1: tips where someone's absolutely positive they have seen Jamie. They've told us where he is. And that we're mistaken on our posters because he's only five foot eight, not six foot one. <laughs> <laughs> and he was six foot yeah. one and At 18, his brothers grew three inches after they turned 18. So I doubt he's even still just six foot one if he's around. Um, But at least, you know, they're looking. You know, they're keeping their eyes out, which is a good thing. And as painful as it is, I cannot not check out a tip. No matter how horrific. Um, Because then I would second guess myself. Could it have been? I feel much better when I do and I'm horrified and I feel sick to my stomach. At least I know it wasn't him and he wasn't in it.
0: Yeah. You've already kind of uh, described what you've been doing over the last 12 years, going to these different places, taking maybe we might call what we might call some risks, going into shady environments, uh, you know, going up to strangers. Um usually as soon as you say you're the mother of a missing
1: boy and you're not stopping until you find them all of a sudden they're totally different people because a lot of them know someone that's gone missing or they heard of jamie or um usually people that when you first walked in might seem a little violent all of a sudden sympathize with you Mm -hmm. they can see the pain you're in and that you are a mother and as a mother this is what you do. And as soon as that happens, they're usually really great people.
0: Maybe, uh, of course, you, you're you doing the interview uh, tonight, once again, on December 1st of 2023. Can you explain maybe uh, what your other two sons have been through and, and your husband has been through regarding all of this over the past uh, 12 years, the emotional toll that, that this has taken on them as well? Can you speak for them?
1: um everybody my sons they have um gone on with life mm, i don't think a minute ever goes by they don't think of their brother
2: mm-hmm.
1: happy times or sad um my husband and i it's more you're left in limbo um mm. When one of Jamie's friends get married, I feel like screaming, no, 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 just wait, just wait. He's gonna be back. He's yeah. gonna be back. Don't, don't, don't move on with your life, you know. Don't worry, yeah. yeah. don't, don't do anything normal. We're waiting for Jamie, okay? Yes. And the daytimes you learn to move on with life and you know, go to work and get your groceries. It's the night times you can't control. And I know I can speak for my husband and I, myself in 12 and a half years, there has not been one night that it's not nightmares no. all night long. And I don't mean in horrible things happening. It's you're fighting to get Jamie back and you're fighting to, you know, it's the way you're feeling away in a, during the day. Um, but at night you can't control that. And Jamie's so much Part of our very fiber and our very life that for an example, when I tonight when I was coming to do this interview, um I ended up sick to my stomach, my blood pressure went through the roof, I was having a panic attack. and that happens every time.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: because it's so much in you and so much a part of you that um, it's indescribable. There's there's no word in the English language for the grief of having a missing person, let alone a missing child. There is no word to sum up the emotion.
0: Yeah, uh, you've expressed what a lot of other guests have expressed, especially mothers of missing adult children, the whole point about, you know, the world going on, the world keeps spinning. You know, the, you know, it's navigating. been 12 years, you know, all J- Jamie's friends aren't 19 year old, you know, they're all in their early thirties. They're getting married. They're having kids. They they're have careers or changing careers or moving places and things. And like you said, you just want to kind of, you know, Again, wait just a minute. Jamie's going to be here. Don't change your life. He's going to be here. It's common. Yeah.
1: My mother passed away five years ago and, um, Somebody said something that actually made me laugh when she passed away. My mother was had to know everything all of the time. <laughs> she was the most know-it-all person. She was a teacher. She had to know everything. And, of course, she always told you that she knew, right? So when mom passed away, somebody said, she did it again. She'll be the first person that really finds out what happened to Jamie. <laughs> she, she's done it again.
2: Yeah.
1: And it put a smile on my face thinking that, if he passed on, my mother was there, Yeah. but everybody has their own idea. What happened?
0: Yeah. Um, I can see why,
1: but in my heart, um, I don't, I think Jamie's still with us. I don't know what happened. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. Um, maybe it's just because I'm his mother. Um, I know a girl that went missing a few months before Jamie Madison Scott.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Sadly, they just found found some of her remains. Yeah. And, and until that point, her mother was still convinced she was alive. So I think as realistically, it's probably because I'm his mother that I cannot yeah. think other than that. How do you search for somebody you think is dead? You know, Um
0: yeah. And I yeah and I have to admit you're bringing up Madison Scott that when my assistant Emily who first spoke to you reached out to you and you know she told me that you two had talked and I, you know she gave me like the paragraphs her you know rundown general rundown of Jamie's disappearance. I actually thought of Madison Scott's uh, disappearance because once again, going missing it's Canada, going missing out in the what we would call the middle of nowhere of Canada you know and friends being around and friends don't seem to know what happened. And what I think is interesting about this, of course, her remains, like you said, it just re, re, uh, discovered maybe within the past six months in a place that I don't think anybody could have predicted. I think that they if could, people thought she did, you know, they it was a tip. really surprise.
1: They got a tip.
0: Yeah, they got That's a tip after um, all these years.
1: I've talked to them off and on. Um, families of missing people tend to bond together.
2: Not yep, with,
1: you don't want to ever think that your child's going to be missing that long. But you do because you have something in common. The I don't know, and the only thing you have in life is hope. And when they found Madison's remains, I, I cried because I thought, now your hope's gone. You got to know, you have to know what happened. It doesn't mean it's easy to know what happened.
0: Julie, do you have a Facebook page, website, anything like that set up for Jamie's disappearance? If so, why don't you give it out to the listeners and viewers right now?
1: There is actually three because three different volunteers started them up. Um, So if they type in missing person, Jamie Lee, um, all three of them actually come up. Wow. So You can
2: take your pick. All
0: right. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, a lot of uh, disappearances are lucky to have one. You have three. So that's, uh, that's uh, pretty impressive. Uh, these are all people. Are these run by people who you know uh, that, that you One you
1: was one of the girls that was out there, started one. Mm-hmm. One was a mother of one of the boys that was out there, started wow. one. Okay. And another one was just one of the searchers who was very computer savvy, decided... Uh, start one up and sadly now they've all moved on with their lives and i now have three of them
0: (laughs) you manage all three of them yourself
1: oh i try but hackers are usually every time anybody posts on any of the three sites they get hacked within 24 hours so not too many people post on them very often sad but it's the way life is okay especially when your your name is jamie lee because Jamie Lee Curtis is the most act site and probably oh, most Yeah,
2: yes. yeah, she's, she's very well known.
1: Well, and she's got a missing persons thing that she does. She helps look for missing people. So, um usually 3 or 4 times a week we get requests for membership from Jamie Lee Curtis who's uh, you know on 120 sites and has been on Facebook 3 days. So yeah, block, block, delete. Yeah,
2: that's unfortunate. (laughs) But that's
1: what happens when your son's name is the same Mm -hmm. as somebody famous. who Has been very badly hacked over the years.
0: Right. Right. Didn't even think of that. (laughs) Julie, any final words before we complete this interview?
1: All I ask is people to keep their ears open, their eyes, and their heart. Um... There has to be answers out there somewhere. Twelve and a half years is a long time to go with no answers. And someone out there knows. Um, So if somebody has mentioned something to you that seems a little strange, or if you see something, put a tip in. If you're wrong, it's not a big deal. But you could be right. And we've had tips that are turned in three weeks ago we saw him well three weeks ago doesn't do you any don't question yourself don't hesitate if it's not him it's not him but use your gut response and contact someone
0: let me ask you one more question just so everybody is absolutely clear where this happened we know where he grew up and everything but what is this name is this camping area what is this area called in alberta where they were camping and he went missing
1: it's called by two names um, the original name is Smoky Flats, and on some maps, it calls it McLeod Flats. We yeah. don't know why, but there's a discrepancy in the name. Um, mm-hmm. To the locals, it's Smoky Flats, and I think on the map that you probably looked at, it's probably called the Smoky Flats Recreation Area. Yep, I saw
0: that. And then the name of the river that goes through there, what is the name of the, the river?
1: Smoky River.
0: The Smoky River. Okay, It's Very one good. of our
1: ma- very large. It's a fairly large river up there. Okay. Our, all of our rivers run north. So the further north you go, the bigger
0: the rivers get. Okay. Julie, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound.
1: Thank you very, very much. And thank you for being understanding and patient. It's, it's a hard thing, but it's probably not easier on your end either. So I thank you so much. I appreciate much. that.
0: Thank you for thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you and take care. God bless. You too. And that was my December 1st, 2023 interview with Julie DeWinter, mother of Jamie Lee. I thank her for joining me and all of you on both audio and video for this episode. I also need to thank my assistant Emily for arranging my introduction to Julie. I've made a video to show all of you the area where Jamie disappeared. You can find my analysis on Unfound's YouTube channel. So, where to go with this summation? I'm going to go in an unlikely direction. Percentages. And yes, I'm actually going to do some math for all of you. I hope you'll understand it. I actually got the idea from a Federal Express CEO or someone else in that company from years and years ago. It went something like this. Even if FedEx gets the delivery of packages correct 99% of the time, that 1% of lost packages is still a huge number. And, in fact, for any of the shipping companies, post office included, if their delivery success rates are even 99.9%, that is still many, many letters and boxes and gifts and all sorts of items that don't get delivered. 0.1% would still be a huge failure rate. This is how we must think about search areas. For example... Let's say a group wants to search 4 miles in any direction from a disappearance spot. So 4 miles would be the radius. To find the total area to be searched, that would be about 50 square miles. That's 4 times 4 times pi, which is 3.14. So 4 times 4 times 3.14 is roughly 50 square miles. 50 square miles, to think of it another way, that would be a square with sides just over 7 miles long. So 50 square miles is 151,782,400 square yards. That's 27,600 American football fields, not counting the end zones. That square area is just a wee bit smaller than Staten Island, where New York City is. So to say it again, 50 square miles is about 27,600 football fields. Now, going back to our FedEx quote, if searchers miss just 1% of the search area, in which they're going out to 4 miles in every direction, that would be like not searching 275 football fields for a human body that is on average only about two square yards in size. So to once again do the math for all of you, and I understand some of these numbers are huge, the human body in this example is only 175 millionth of the size of the entire search area. And if that missing person's body is in that 1% that is missed, the remains would only be 1,750,000th of the size of the missed search area. And this doesn't count for decomposition and animals taking bones away, etc., If you're wondering, even if I were to say the searchers covered all but 0.5%, or even 0.1%, the area not searched would still be huge. 1%, 0.5%, 0.1%. None of them sound very large until they are. Of course, the big problem... Having brought up Madison Scott and her discovery near the beginning of this episode, searchers in this hypothetical scenario could be looking for someone who is actually nowhere near that search area. So I ask all of you concerning Jamie Lee, what are the odds? If you'd like to hear and read more of my commentary on searches and more of my analysis into the disappearance of Jamie Lee, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast, sign up to partake in the Unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, Give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs-up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.